0: Good morning everyone. Good morning. It's great to see all of you here today. Um, let me open us with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. Uh, please guide us as we look at, at this passage today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know in your Bible studies we're supposed, to, we're supposed to go from verse 21 until the end of chapter 3, but uh, I thought that There's a lot in this passage already from verse 21 to 26, so we'll just focus on this passage today. Next week, why we'll continue with verse 27. What is God's job? So if you were to give God a job description, what would it be? A 19th century German poet once said, Of course God will forgive me. Of course, God will forgive me. That's his job. That's his job. God's job is to forgive forgive us. But is that right? Is God's job to forgive everyone of their sins? Or is God's job something else? Is God's job something else? From what we've seen so far in the book of Romans, well, maybe God's job is to judge. Maybe God's job is to judge. Romans chapters 1 to 3 uh, show us, shows us that God is a just God who will judge, who will judge for all our sins. So so far, it's nothing about forgiveness. So we see that the morally, the morally upright person is not good enough. The religious person isn't religious enough. Even the one who has God's law, well, he's a lawbreaker. So no one, no one stands a chance before God. So it's God's job to forgive or to judge. Well, that's what we will be focusing on today. After all the bad news in Romans chapter 1 to 3, that we are under God's wrath, that we are under God's judgment because of our sin, sinful, God-hating self. Verse 21 starts with a very important phrase. It starts with the phrase, But now. But now. So this but now means that there's a major turning point in the whole book of Romans. So after we see that we are all sinners, verse 21 says, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. we see we can't get right through the law. No way. So this verse 21 says that there's actually another way apart from the law. There's another way to get right with God. There's another way To have God's righteousness. It's another way to have God's righteousness. Well, first, what does this righteousness of God mean? What does the righteousness of God mean in verse 21? I think verse the God's righteousness here means God's righteous action to save sinners. God's righteous action to save sinners. So once you have God's righteousness, once once you have God's righteous action to save you, God won't look at you and see you as a guilty sinner. In fact, you'll be more righteous than the morally upright person. You'll be more righteous than the religious person. If you have God's righteousness, you can escape God's judgment. You can escape the judgment that we've been looking, looking at from chapters 1 to 3. But it sounds sounds excellent. It sounds really good. But what what is this way? How can I get right with God? What do I have to do to get right with God? The answer is in verse 22. Look at verse 22. Do you see uh, what the answer is? How do we get right with God? Let me read it for us. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So what is the answer? The answer is, you believe. You have faith in Jesus Christ. Just believe. Just believe that Jesus is God. Just believe that Jesus died for you and He was raised. Just believe, and you can have God's righteousness. But some people might think, well, why is this only one solution? Why is it just believe? Uh, then then we can have uh, then we can have right, God's righteousness. Well, surely, surely there should be another way, right? Surely there are some people who, who are morally upright. Surely there are some people who do good. There are people who do good to others. Surely God can give them an exception, right? But, but the passage says that God cannot grant anyone any exceptions. You see, despite all the good, all the good that we do, we are still sinners. We can't be good enough. We can't be. That's why the rest of verse 22 says, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. That means Jew and the non-Jew. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Both Jew and non-Jew have sinned. Everyone has sinned. No one is good enough. No one can reach God's glory. Oh, but you might say... Surely sin isn't, surely sin isn't my problem. Surely sin is the problem of uh, the IS terrorists. Or maybe those serial murderers. Or the pedophiles. Not me, right? I, I don't harm anyone. I support my family. I do charity. I pay my taxes. I return my food tray at McDonald's. I do all the good stuff. Surely I should be spared judgement. Uh, last year, I met a taxi driver who said that he was a good person. So I asked him, Oh, So uncle, why, why are you a good person? Oh, he says, I'm a good person because when I when I see money on the floor, I don't pick it up. So even if he saw $50 on the floor, he treats that $50 as belonging to someone else, he will not pick it up. Okay, that sounds really honest. And then he, he even went on to say, if let's say I'm counting my money, and I dropped a $100, I'll leave that hundred dollars as on the floor and treat it as lost to me, and I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. So that, so he? That's his standard of how uh, good he is. And by his standard, because he doesn't pick up money from the floor, he says he's a good person. But even as he was sharing all these, uh, all uh, he's sharing all these things with me, he was also telling me how he was, uh, how he was plotting to lie. Okay. How he was plotting to lie? He wasn't plotting to lie to, I don't know, to save someone's life or to do something really good for someone. He was plotting to lie to LTA to escape a parking fine. Oh, but you might you might say, well, surely my lies are, are nothing compared to uh, the hurt that uh, drug traffickers cause. And surely no one was hurt when I watched pornography. Friends, you might think you're okay because you're comparing with the wrong standard. You think you might be okay because you're comparing yourself to other people? Or you think you're okay because you're comparing yourself to your own standard? But the standard we should be, we should be thinking about is God's standard. We should be thinking about God's standard because we will be facing God's judgment. From Romans, uh, we, we see one aspect of God's standard uh, in this. God's standard is that we glorify God all the time. That's what we see in chapter 1. Okay, so if I, if I break it down, what does glorify God mean? It means that you recognize, you acknowledge that God created you, and you thank Him for creating you by living a life that pleases Him to recognize that God created you and thank Him in the way that you live. Okay, friends, if you, I, want to, I want to show you something. If you, if you see that this is one aspect of God's standard, then you know, being the most upright person is not good enough. You see, even if I sacrifice my life to help the poor, even if I help, I stay back in school every day to help my friends do their homework, help help their friends with their homework, or even if I I work hard and provide my family with enough, it's not good enough. Why? Because we don't do these things to glorify God. We don't do these things to glorify God. You see, we want God to have nothing to do in our lives. Even in our best of our best, even when we are at our best, even, though we're, even when we are doing the, the best actions that we can possibly do, we don't want God to have any part in those things. We don't give God glory. So friends, our good is not good enough for God. We are, sinner, we are all sinners. Hawaii, Hawaii previously said that God's standard uh, is as difficult as trying to swim uh, around the world uh, non-stop without any help. So maybe some of you some of, some, of, some of you, including me, maybe I'll stop at, let's say, 50 meters because it's, one lap is really very tiring. Maybe some people will stop at 5 kilometers, or maybe 500 kilometers. But even 500 kilometers is not far enough to go around the world. In verse 23 tells us that no one, no one is good enough. No one can reach God's standard. And what's so bad about not reaching God's standard? Here's the bad news. God will judge. God will judge you in his anger. And God's judgment is more than just I don't know, slap on the wrist or asking you to stand in a corner. I'm like well, I'm trying to learn how to discipline my son, so these are the things that come to my mind. <laughs> but God's judgment is far worse than these things. God's judgment is eternity in hell. Friends, from this first section, we see that we are not good enough. Don't think you're good enough. You're not. But there's also a comfort in this passage. The good news is that you can be right with God. You can be right with God now. And that way is to believe in Jesus. Or just believe in Jesus. But how can guilty, how can we guilty sinners get right with God? How does that happen? I think the answer for us is from verse twenty-four and verse twenty-five. Next, I want to show you how God, how Jesus gives you this righteousness. So in verse twenty-four and verse twenty-five, there there are three words which I think explains how we can be right with God. And these three words were commonly used in Paul's day. Okay, Let's so verse 24. Okay, here's the first word. Verse 24 says, And all are justified freely by His grace. We are justified. Justify, justify is a legal word used in the courts. So where God the judge, He looks at you and He says, and He declares that you are right with Him. That you are okay with Him. So this means that we are no longer uh, guilty of sin. Okay, so to help help me illustrate that, I have a prop. Okay, so the prop goes like this. Okay, so I I I did this at home, but this ball was here, so uh this sin is supposed to be bigger, actually. Okay, so when God before we believed in Jesus, we all had this all had this label on us. This label says sin. We all have this label on us. So when God the judge looks at us, he sees this label. He sees that we are all guilty of sin. And because we are guilty of sin, uh, we are under, we are, we are we, we, God will judge us for sin. What happens when we believe in Jesus? What happens is that uh, this sin is taken away. Okay, actually I was supposed to put another one here, but uh, I thought I'd put it on this side instead. Yeah, Instead, we get God's righteousness. So when God looks at us, he sees that we have God's righteousness. So when God sees us, he sees us as no more guilty of sin. We are justified. We are justified. Okay, another way to think about this uh, is... The only other way to think about uh, justify is in this, in this uh, next illustration. So the words uh, justify and the words righteous actually ha- in the uh, actually have the same Greek root word. Okay, so when I was uh, studying this passage with some NTU students, why uh, got us to why divide us into two groups? So one group had to change all the righteousness type of words to uh, justified type of words. Okay, so for example. Uh, Verse 21 will say, Now apart from the law, the justice of God has been made known, to which the law and prophets testify. Okay, so that's the first group. And the second group had to translate, change all the justified type of words to righteousness type of words. So their translation of verse 24 is this. So, and all are, not, not using the word justified, all are Made right freely by His grace. All are made right freely by His grace. Okay. This translation sounds correct. It sounds quite good. All are made right. It fits, it fits the, the sentence. But it's not the right phrase to use. It's a wrong phrase to use. You see, if the phrase here should be, if we are made right then after believing in Jesus, I am made right. So that means I will never sin ever again. But that is not what happened. See, even as Christians, we still sin. So if the phrase should be made right, and I as a Christian still sin, it means that Jesus didn't save me. It means that Jesus didn't, didn't die on the cross for me. So a better translation for this isn't made right, but is declared right. Where God the judge pronounces or says that you are right with him. So even though we struggle with sin as Christians, God declares us right. Friends, do you see what a great privilege this is? So even when we struggle, even when we struggle with sin, if we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, God pronounces, God declares that we are right with Him. And that's not not the only exciting part. The rest of verse 24 says, God justifies us freely by His grace. Freely by His grace. This means that God saves you generously as a gift, as a free gift. God knows we can't do it. God knows we can't save ourselves. So God has to do it for us. Friends, we don't have to do anything to be right with God. Not by keeping the law, not by being religious. We can be right with God just by believing in Jesus. That's justification. Okay, I I know that some of you are thinking in your heads, Hey, how can you say that? If you're saying that, does it mean that, yeah, okay, I just believe in Jesus, and it doesn't matter how I live. So just believe in Jesus, and I can continue sinning, I can continue doing the things I used to do. Oh, the second word will help us with this. So the second word is redemption. Redemption. That's in verse 24 when, it says we are, when Paul says we are justified through the redemption that came by Christ to Jesus. We don't use the word redemption very much today. Redemption is a slavery type of word. In Paul's days, uh, if you owed someone money, lots of money, and you really couldn't pay back, what will you do? You have to sell yourself as a slave to that person. You have to sell yourself as that person's slave. If you want to be free, uh, someone else, maybe a relative or a close friend, uh, will need to pay for you, to ransom you, to buy you out from slavery, to redeem you from slavery. So that's redemption. But, how am I a slave? I'm not a slave to my boss, to my wife, to my parents, to my children. We don't like to think that we are slaves, but we are We are slaves to sin, slaves to sin. Last week, when we looked at Romans chapter three, verse nine uh it says it says this. Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. We are under we are under sin's power. This means that sin is our master and we are sin's slave. Just under sin's power. So this means that we what what does this mean? This means that we do what our master wants us to do, which is to sin more and more and more and to incur. More reason for God to judge us. But God redeemed us, but God paid for us. God redeemed us from sin so that we belong to Him. So we belong to Him means that we the way that we live has to live with God as our new master. We look at we look about we look at this a little bit more in Romans chapter 6. But today I want to focus on the price that God paid. The price that God paid. So God didn't just uh, uh just take an eraser and erase all the sins or hit a delete button to delete all, all the record of our sins. No, that's not what God did. God paid a costly price for us. God paid. What was that price? The price was to send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Jesus paid for our redemption when He died on the cross so that we can be bought, so that we can be redeemed for God. That's redemption. Now, the third word. The third word is atonement. Atonement is a word that we hardly... But it's a word full of meaning. For Paul's listeners, uh, atonement is a word that they use at the temples. So, At the temples, you offer a sacrifice to atone for your sin against God. To make peace. uh, To make peace with a God who is angry with you at your sin. So this means that before you offer this sacrifice, before you atone for your sins, God is still angry at you. Think about this this way. Okay, so all of you know Leonard. Okay, Leonard is at the PA. He is a very techy guy. He, he has the latest gadgets, everything about gadgets, I'll, I'll usually ask him. So let's say I borrow Leonard's handphone, his latest handphone, very fancy, lots of cool apps. So I play with it, and then uh, as I was playing with it, I realized that, oh, the, the back is quite smooth, and it slips off my fingers, and it falls on the floor, and it breaks and Leonard sees it, and Leonard will be, Leonard is so angry with me. And I'll say, Leonard, Leonard, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Uh, I'm so sorry. And Leonard will say, Sorry, no kill. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was scripted. Okay, sorry, no kill. Yeah. So what must I do to get right? What must I do to appease Leonard? What must I do to, to re- restore this relationship with Leonard? Well, I have to buy him a new handphone yeah I didn't do that so I don't have to buy him a new handphone so for the past few weeks we see that God is angry with us God is angry because we have all rebelled against God and nothing we can do is good enough to escape this judgment nothing we can do is good enough to atone to pay for uh, this to pay, pay for this debt to pay for this sin nothing we can do is good enough to atone for our sins So because we can't do it, God did it for us. Verse 25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Jesus is the sacrifice of atonement. Jesus made peace between God and us through the shedding of his blood, through his violent death. And we saw this prophesied in Isaiah 53. Jesus atones for our sins uh, by paying the price for it. You see, the price of sin is death. The price of your sin, the price of my sin, is our death. But Jesus took that price, paid that price so that we can be atoned for. Jesus paid the price so that, well paid the price by his death on the cross. When I was in the army, uh, we used to have water parades. So this is where you, um, you have to finish your, you have to fill out your bottle, okay, all the way to the top. And then, when you get it, you gather together, and then you hold the bottle up, recite the SCF7 core values, and then you drink up all the water. And after you have finished the water, okay, it's on, it's So you have to put it over your head, uh, and to show that, it, to show that you have finished all the water. So if any drop of water lands on your head, uh, the officer will see and say, we tell you to go to back to the toilet, Fill up your water all the way to the top, and put it over your head again. Okay, so this is it's not it's not water torture. This is to make sure that uh, SCF uh, our SCF boys have enough water to drink. Okay, but imagine that uh, this wasn't just a bottle of water. Imagine uh, that this was a bottle full of poison. And it's not just that. This bottle of poison has, okay, you you can't quite see this, but it has your name on it. And why does it have your name on it? Because this is God's judgment on you for all your sins. You are supposed to drink it. You are supposed to incur God's wrath for your sins. But what Jesus did is that he took the bottle from you, he drank it, I'm not going to finish it but what Jesus did is he finished it he finished this whole bottle of poison all the way to the very last drop what Jesus did is when he atoned for your sins is that he saved you completely from God's judgment by taking the judgment that you deserve on himself see the wrath of God hung over you But Jesus took God's judgment from you. Jesus, Jesus took it from you, so the only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus. The three words again. Justified, redemption, and atonement. Justified means that God declares us right with Him. Redemption. God bought us from sin to be His. And atonement. Jesus took the price of our sin so that we can have peace with God. And all these are available if you believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, this means justified. God declared you righteous. Redemption. God bought you from sin to be His. Atonement. Jesus took your price took the price of your sin so that you can have peace with God that's great news friends there is a way to be saved uh, through believing in Jesus because Jesus' sacrifice paid for it all for us But we can be freely saved from our sins but this brings another problem not directly for us No, this problem is for God. So so far in Romans, we see that God is a just God and God will judge sins based on what we have done. Right? So Romans chapter 2, verse 6 says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. And verse 9, there will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. And verse uh, in verse 10, but glory and peace for everyone who does good. So it's all, God's standard is about what you do. God judges based on what you do. But today's passage says that we can escape God's judgment. We can escape. Has God become unjust? Has God become unjust by letting the guilty sinner go free? Is God just to forgive us of, of the wrongs of our sins, of all our sins? Well, let's look at what this passage says. So we we'll look at the rest of verse 25. The scan of verse 25 says, He did this to demonstrate His righteousness. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness. He did this to show that He's righteous, to prove that He's righteous. So what is the this that God did? This was to send Jesus to die on the cross for us. So Jesus, God sent Jesus to prove his righteous righteousness, to prove that he is a just God. But how does sending Jesus prove that God is a just God? Sending Jesus proves it because God's righteous character requires that a penalty be paid for our sins. So even though our sins are taken away, someone must pay for those sins. Someone must pay. A few years ago, there was a major flood at Orchard Road. Do you still remember that major flood? I remember, uh, I think Wendy's just opened a few days or a few months and suddenly it got flooded and then they had to spend a few thousand dollars, a couple of tens of thousand dollars to renovate everything. I remember this, on the second day after the flood, was it the third day, a very clever insurance company put this advertisement. You can be sure of one thing, someone will pay for this. Yeah, okay. So they are probably talking about themselves that they will pay for it. In God's uh, newspaper, instead of the picture of the flood, it's our picture. It won't just be one page. It will be page after page after page of every sin in your life. Every time you did something with you as God, every time you decided that you, you want to do something apart from God, you decided not to glorify God while living in the world that God created. You're serving other things instead of God. you I mean, serving your... Yourself. Your work. Your family. Your studies. Or your comfort. All these things. These idols. These idols decided how you lived your life. At each point you lived apart from God, well, another page was added to this newspaper. And another page. Until this newspaper got so thick that it reached, I mean, even the, the ceiling of this place. And on each page of this newspaper, there is that same line. Somebody, someone will pay for this. Someone will pay for this. And this. And this. And this. Someone will pay. And for those of you who don't believe in Jesus, you will pay. You will pay for your sin. God will judge you after this life. And for those of you who believe in Jesus, Jesus paid for your sin. Jesus paid for us when He died on the cross for us. So on the cross, Jesus took our judgment from God for our sin. So we don't have to pay. So the cross shows that God is righteous to spare guilty sinners, to forgive guilty sinners, to give us his righteousness because Jesus took God's judgment from us. Jesus' death on the cross shows that God does require a penalty for sins. And Jesus' death on the cross shows that God wasn't slow to judge. Verse 25 also says, He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, Because in his forbearance, on his patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. God here wasn't being slow. God was being patient. And God could be patient because he looked towards Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. When Jesus took our punishment for all our sins. When God's price for sin has been paid. So therefore, this passage shows us that God is a just God, God is a righteous God, and we can trust that he will save all, everyone who believes in Jesus, who has faith in Jesus. So that's how Paul concludes in verse 26. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So when we look at the cross, when we see, when we remember how God saved us through Jesus, we must conclude that God is a just judge. And we must conclude that God is a just judge who can justify, who can can declare right all who believe in Jesus. So God is a just judge and we can be justified. And these two things can are true because Jesus took the judgment that we deserved so that we can have God's righteousness that we don't deserve. Let me say that again. Jesus took God's judgment that we deserved so that we can have God's righteousness that we don't deserve. For Christians, this means that we must be thankful and we must be humble towards God. But for a lot of us, we think that, well, Jesus was a thing we learned at Sunday school, or Jesus was a thing we learned at membership class. Maybe that was a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, twenty years ago, fifty years ago for you. And that long time, maybe you forget. You forget how good Jesus is. You forget what a bad sinner you were when Jesus saved you. Not in your heads, no. I mean in your hearts. You think that Jesus, that you think that God owes you his righteousness for the many years, for your many years of service, for many years of faithful service uh, in his kingdom. Well, you might think, If I wasn't here to serve in this ministry at this point of time, or this particular ministry, whatever it is, we've collapsed. Sure, I thank God for, for Jesus. Yeah, sure. But I thank God for me. I thank God for me. We are all very good at remembering how good we are, but we are all very bad at remembering how good Jesus is. friends, God doesn't owe you anything. But God gave you His Son to die in your place. So this shows that our righteousness, the things that we do, are not good enough to save us. Even the good things we do in this church to build up God's kingdom, those things can't save us. So serve Him. Serve Him thankfully. Praise Him thankfully. For some for, for some of us, maybe we might think differently. We might think that this gospel, this good news about Jesus, well, ah that's boring stuff. And you get excited over every single aspect of your life. You get excited over the the latest movie, you get you get excited over the latest gadget, you get excited over the latest fashion trend. Maybe the only reason you're here on Sundays is because it's a habit for you to get out of bed and drive to church. Friends, Jesus, just redeemed you from slavery to be His. So this means this means that if Jesus didn't redeem you, you'll still be in sin. You'll be still under slavery to sin. You'll still be doing what sin wants you to do and accumulate for yourself more reasons for God to judge you. And Jesus gave you peace. That means that before Jesus gave you peace through his sacrifice, you had no peace with God. No peace. The wrath of God was over you. God, you, God was going to judge you. You had to pay for your sin. So, so friends, repent of your thankless heart and ask God to remind you again about how great the cross is. How how do we know uh, if whether we are more excited about Jesus or are we more excited about other things? That's well, quite an important thing to find out, right? Because we want to know whether our hearts are right before God, whether we are really excited about about the gospel, whether we're really excited about Jesus. Well the way to well, one way to find out, and this is not the only way, but one way that I thought would be helpful is to ask yourself the question. What this for th- this morning? What was it that got you out of bed? What was the first thing you do? What was the first thing you did this morning after you got off, got out of bed? For some of us, it will be okay. I'm not talking about like brushing your teeth or taking a shower. I'm talking about, for example, did you check last night's soccer score? Or did you check to see whether your your boyfriend or your girlfriend sent you a message? Or do you check you you set up your work laptop to see how work is going. I don't know why you should be doing that on Sundays. But, yeah, some people do that. What was it that got you up this morning? Was it all those things? Or was it coming to church to praise God? Or Or was it to thank God for all the good things that He has given you, especially through Jesus? Now let me address uh, those of us who don't see ourselves as Christians. I hope that you see this passage is both a warning and a comfort. A warning and a comfort. Well, the warning is this. God will judge you for your sin. God will judge you for your sin if you don't believe. And what's the comfort? The comfort is Jesus has taken... God's punishment, God's judgment on you, from you, on himself. So if you believe in Jesus, this is what happens to you. At the end, God will judge, God will deal with you based on your response to Jesus. So since Jesus is so important, I, I want to encourage you to find out more about Jesus. You could find out more by continue come, continue joining us uh, on Sundays or maybe in our small groups to find to learn about Romans. To see for yourself what Jesus has done, what is it, how is it that Jesus saves you? Or maybe you could chat with me or the person who brought you here. Find out more about Jesus. We started today with a quote. Of course, God will forgive me. Of course, He will. Oh, that's His job. What does this passage say about this quote? What is is God's job? God's job is to judge. God's job is to judge. God will judge for your sin. God will judge you for your sin. Even God's forgiveness requires judgment. Judgment. The question is, who will bear uh, God's who will bear God's judgment on you? Jesus or you? Let me pray for us, Heavenly Father. Uh, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the great. Uh, the great blessings that are given us through Jesus, that we, uh, can be, we can be saved from, from judgment. We can save from your wrath through what your, your son has done. Father, uh, please, please cause us to, to, to see this uh, truth more and more. So we, we will remember it. So we will be thankful and we'll be humble uh, towards you, uh, for all our lives. Please guide us and shape us by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.